You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC, and with me today is, as per usual, the pretty okay Kiki. How you doing over there, Kiki? I'm pretty okay. Good to hear. How have you been living in this COVID world? I hate everything and I and people. <laughs> Same here. Have you watched anything interesting lately? I'm trying to watch the boys first season which i got into like uh the first three episodes are fantastic i'm i'm in it like i want to wa- i want to finish it you didn't watch that last year no i did yeah no I how didn't. are we even friends i had i didn't even know that you watched it okay Shut the- <laughs> carl urban is like you know my boy so yeah, yeah i'm real surprised you didn't watch it loving loving him and and then umbrella academy season two just dropped so i'm just like fuck i have too many things i need to watch so and too many podcasts to edit and listen to and and respond to and to talk to and yeah oh oh, i'm glad all i have to do is work (laughs) and talk (laughs) work and talk oh oh i live the life oh if only that was true we were going to record yesterday, and I ended up working for 13 hours. It was wonderful. Fine, because I wasn't ready to record yesterday. You're not ready, ready to record today. today. Oh, man. I was wondering why, like, last week you didn't, like, message me, like, hey, we got to record this episode. And then today, make it, oh, she wasn't ready. <laughs> well, okay, so the funny, the funny thing is that I, I completely forgot to text you and let you know that it was Gish Week. Yeah, no. What the fuck is Gish Week, Kiki? The greatest scavenger hunt ever known. Set up by Misha Collins of Supernatural fame. So I have to go about scavenger hunting and we were super busy. I had to do a whole bunch of crazy fucking shit. It was great. I love it. But it just it just ended on Sunday. And I seriously thought about just kind of taking a week off like we did last time around because there were three gishes actually this year two of them were the first two like mini gishes ever for the stay at home during quarantine i did the first one not the second and then this was the live like for real one where you win like a grand prize and i'm not even sure what the fuck it is because i didn't have time to read about it whatever all i know is that i made a clock at a sausage and it worked so done nice if anybody's interested and you want to sign up for next year's GISH, it's just G-I-S-H. This all goes to charity. So I was actually busy doing charity work in a way. Yup. So I will say this. Our featured music today is, I'm going to tell you guys early. It's going to be from Foghorn Lonesome. Eric has a new song out called Strawberry Moon. And we're going to be playing that later. We always encourage you guys to go support our musical guests. But this week is special. The deal is... If you guys go to Bandcamp and purchase any music from Foghorn Lonesome from today until September 10th, 
lead singer and mastermind of Foghorn Lonesome, Eric, is donating all proceeds to a research fund in honor of a friend who lost their battle with cancer. Oh. Yeah. It was actually his best friend's son who passed away. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. So please, please consider heading over to Ben Camp and making a purchase in honor of this great cause. We would appreciate it. And since Mission Spooky has already bought all of Foghorn Lonesome's music, we'll probably do something separate. We can donate directly to the fund as well. And I on Instagram gave you guys that information, so it will be there. So barring anything else I, that we want to talk about before we actually delve into the craziness that is this episode, the voice connectivity on this is going to be so fucking great, guys. <laughs> I'm watching my Discord go from red to green like every two seconds. I don't even know why. No one's on the internet. I understand. This week, we're featuring Scry Podcast once again. Scry serves as your audio medium, your oral obsidian mirror into the darkness that dwells in the depths of the shadow realms. Is that where, is that where they send people in Yu-Gi-Oh? I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh, so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You, you don't play Yu-Gi-Oh? No. You play Magic the Gathering, right? It's a dumb game. Yu-Gi-Oh is a dumb game. What's a dumb game? Yu-Gi-Oh is a dumb game. Nah, nah, brah, nah, brah, nah, brah. All right, continue on with your story. Pokemon's an even stupider game. There, I said it. I don't even... Whoa, whoa. (laughs) I would make a strong argument that Pokemon is probably the most complicated of all the fucking trading card games because I am close to 30 and still don't understand how to play that game. Screwing up the scry thing. God damn it. I played Magic the Gather. I played fucking Yu-Gi-Oh. I played Hearthstone. I played other ones. I get them all very quickly. Fucking Pokemon blows me away. Or it just blows. That's no. <laughs> you no. were on the right track. <laughs> it is mind-boggling how complicated and 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 crazy the game is. Uh, so once again, we've somehow managed to completely screw up our promo for someone else. <laughs> You're welcome. You're going to remember Scry, though, because of all this crap that we're talking about in between. Every time you see a Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon or Magic card, you're going to think Scry. But not, not Scrying as in D&D Scrying, because that's not the same thing. There, I, I gave you something else to think about. So, Scry features experiences shared through user submissions and collected elsewhere. Join your host, The Seer, in the latest episode of Scry as he conjures forth three true tales of terror. From cursed farmlands to mysterious apartments and spectral sightings, this episode, I can confirm, did contain plenty of chills. When we get back, listener choice for Peculiar Pennsylvania, The Lipson's Crypt. Ooh, spooky! Welcome to Scry, a podcast that journeys beyond the veil that separates our realm from that of the shadows. With this horrific grin on her face and then started twisting her head. Scry features true tales of ghosts, demons, and dark entities as shared by those who experience them. Next to her was the reflection of someone else with tensions heightened through an eerie score and atmosphere-building sound effects. You are not supposed to see me. Stare into the obsidian mirror at scrypod.com or subscribe to Scry through your favorite podcast app. So no one liked theirs, and I got there late. So I said, 
don't worry guys, I'll take care of this. And I took all five straws into my mouth at one fucking time and got fucked by alcohol. Because I just drank all five gin and tonics at one time. Oh. Plus I drank mine. So six gin and tonics real quick. Uh-huh. And this is who you decided to do a podcast with. Yeah. <laughs> An idiot. Decisions were made before I really knew who you were. It's all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Nothing but regret. Maybe that should be on a t-shirt. Mission spooky. Nothing <laughs> but regrets. I like it. I like it. Uh, that could be on, like, the back of me riding a swank. Oh, uh, yeah. So, welcome back, guys. Uh, we were discussing regrets and gin. Kind of forgot to welcome you back. Uh, either way, we were discussing regrets and gin and tonics. Uh-huh. But yeah. what we're going to be discussing is the something crips. <laughs> Kiki's totally phoning this in. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're going to be discussing Glitzen's Crypt. Glitzen's Crypt. Glitzen, as in... How do you you spell that? G-A-L-L-I-T-Z-I-N. Glitzen. It is Russian. I'm going to give you guys a basic rundown here. Who Demetrius Augustine Glitzen was first. And then we're going to get into something really cool that I really thought I was just going to be talking about the crypt and a little bit about who this guy was. And then it turns out that he is part of one of the weirdest ghost stories, not from Pennsylvania, but he was from PA. So it fits. We're going to, we're going to do it. And interestingly enough, the man at the center of the ghost story, he moved to Virginia, but from Pennsylvania. So there's still a really strong PA connection here all the way around. Demetrius Augustine Galitzin was born in The Hague, Netherlands. On December 22nd, 1770. His father was Prince Dmitry Galitsyn of Russia. That is a different spelling of last name, by the way, which you'll see often happens with when you come into America. I mean, even it happened to my own grandparents. So there's a slightly different spelling of his father's last name. You mean to tell me that not everyone was named Smith when they moved to America? Oddly enough, Demetrius, he was actually called himself Dimitri Smith for a little while. Oh, so he was a Smith. Just a little bit. Yeah. And you'll find out why. And, and just for those that don't know, when people immigrated to America and you had a weird last name, whoever the immigration officer was considered a weird last name that they didn't feel like trying to get you to spell, they would just change your name to Smith. Yeah. And there you go. Or, or they just completely misspelled it. Like, they just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, my great-grandmother, her married name, we believe, was Battaglia. But they just called her Battle when she got to New York. Yeah, because the guy probably just didn't want to try to figure out how to spell Battaglia correctly. Yeah. Welcome to America, where we change your fucking name, because fuck you. Yeah, that's basically it. Anyway, so his father has a slightly different last name spelling, which is G-O-L-I-T-S-Y-N. Same family, though. So his dad's also a Russian ambassador to France and then later an ambassador to the Netherlands as well. His mother was a Prussian countess, the daughter of Field Marshal Schmetta. He had a sister called Mimi, who was one year older than him. Catherine the Great served as his godmother at his baptism into the Russian Orthodox Church. She supposedly 
held him in her arms, and appointed him an officer of the guard, which is a big Wait, deal. like as a baby? Yes. You're going to have a baby as the officer <laughs> of the guard? That's not strategic or tactical. You want somebody who's at least, you know, maybe seen a fight or knows how to do a guard schedule at the bare, requ- like, requirement. Having a baby, that's just... Whew, nepotism at its finest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you barely hold a bottle, but they put a knife in his hand. And tell him to kill. Right? I mean, to be fair, he is Russian. So... <laughs> makes a little sense. That's actually a compliment to our to anyone listening who's Russian. You guys kick ass. Yes, now kick Putin's ass. Yes, yes. I was, thank you. When, I, when I think of Russia, I'm sorry, I think of like World War II Russia where they're kicking the Germans' ass. and Continue on, Kiki! Not the first part of the, the fight, the second part of the fight. Then they kick their Germans' ass. Yes, once winter set in. Yes. <laughs> if you're ever going to invade Russia, maybe, maybe not, not when it's win- winter. All I have to say is if you don't know that part of history, go read it. Because if you want to read some good shit about revenge stories, <laughs> Russians took no prisoner. No, not many. Very, very, very few. And some would say that the prisoners that they did take... Wish they were dead. Anyway, okay, so when he was young, he and his sister traveled extensively, spending quite a bit of time in Germany. He wound up having military training and studied engineering. I'd hope so. He's the guard. <laughs> He's the guard, he better get some goddamn military training. At least they waited until he was older for the actual military training. Yeah, before it was just... Let's tape him up there with a knife and, you know, somebody, there's a pool string, you know, when the queen feels threatened, she pull or whoever, I don't fucking know who he's guarding, but whenever mm. they feel threatened, they just pull a string and a baby with a knife drops down on their opponent. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fun. I now have a really great idea. Shirt idea number three. No, no, no. It's worse than that in a way. Oh, God. I was like, oh, my God. A and d campaign, only make it a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> or a gnome. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I have a string to pull in case of an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Dimension door, baby. Out pops a fucking goblin with a knife right on your face. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Sounds like a good time. Let's make it happen. Okay. Oh, my poor husband. He's the one that's going to have to go through all this crap. Anyway. (laughs) I got stories. Oh, my God. He studied engineering and he was preparing for a life as a professional soldier. In 1787, though, he, his mother, and his sister all converted to Catholicism. Nope. Here I am. And being an aristocrat, he would have completed his education by traveling through Europe, but much of Europe was at war at the time, and there was also the nasty business of uh, of many Russian aristocrats getting their heads chopped off. So Wait, when was this? 1787. Oh, okay. And then by 1792, his mother is sending him to America to basically escape all of that and sending him to America under an assumed name. So nobody knew that he was a Galitzin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While he's, uh, oh, he's comes to America, he's under the care and tutelage of a young priest. 
And while he's here, he travels under this name of Augustine, which was his confirmation name, and his mother's last name, Schmettel. And then he also went by Augustine Smith as well. And there you have the reasoning for that. During this trip to America, though, he decides that he's going to enter the priesthood. As long as the priesthood didn't enter him, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, he was too old. He was about 22 by this time. But, um, tsh- guys, I was Catholic during the height of the priest's pedophilia thing. As a matter of fact, it even happened in my parish. So I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want about how gross that was. Anyway, during this trip to America, he decided to enter the priesthood, which in turn made him give up his inheritance and royal status. But that did not stop him from asking for both of those things repeatedly over the years. In other words, I want my money and I'm still a royal. Of course, he can say whatever he wants because now he's in America. So he was safe. Er. Yeah, because America has freedom of speech. Oh boy. Protected by the second amendment no. wherever I got them goons. Anyway, uh, so Gallitzin was ordained Father Augustine Smith, still keeping his code name, in 1795, which made him the first man to receive his orders in the 13 original colonies. Kind of a BFD. He traveled to Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. He eventually founded the first English-speaking mission in Loretto, Cambria County, PA. Loretto is an Italian shrine, so he named the town after it in 1799, and he used his skills as an engineer to lay out that new town. In 1802, he became a naturalized citizen of the U.S., and oddly enough, about the same time, he asked to be officially known as Demetrius Augustine Galitzin once again. There is some speculation as to why he did this. And one intriguing theory that has some solid evidence is that a one Anne Elizabeth de Doshkoff, who moved to Loretto around that time and became very good friends with Galitzin, was actually none other than Anna Petrovna, the illegitimate daughter of Catherine the Great. I like that story. It's pretty cool. There's a, a little. She came to PA yes. and banged a priest? No, 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 no. No. No, she came to PA and she got married to a man whose last name, I believe, was Wharton. And they had a bunch of kids, but they would have known each other from their time spent in the Netherlands together. So do you think they just got high and were like, yo, but like, like hear me out here. Hear me out. One second. What if you, what if you went back to your Russian name, dude? Like, Galitz pretty fucking baller. You think that was the conversation? I, I think the basic conversation was... um. He, he recognizes her as Anna Petrovna. She's like, don't tell anybody because they'll fucking kill me. And, uh, <laughs> you know. If you could just not tell people that, that'd be awesome. Real cool of you, bro. Actually, it's more, it's more like, a, you know what? Screw it. I know who you are. You know who I am. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to change my name back. Because by then, he was pretty, pretty well protected here in, in America. So, uh, Anyway, so Galitzin... Very interesting life, but in paranormal circles, he's not just known as a remarkable priest and caretaker of orphans, because he was, he took very good care of orphans. There is a ghost story in here that often biographers and church historians don't even touch on it. Well, that's that. Ghost stories are the best kind of stories. Right? I want to touch those stories. And that is the story of Wizard's Clip. Have you ever heard of this, JC? Wizard's Clip. Uh, trying to think of a magic missile <laughs> joke where you only 
Because like a clip full of clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No, nah, it's I'm too difficult. No, Kiki, I haven't heard a wizard's clip. <laughs> there you go. Why don't you tell me about it? All right, so guys, I've read three renditions of the story. Only one rendition has the main quote-unquote character being sort of like, oh, the poor, the poor guy. The other two paint him out to be a kind of a dick. So I'm going with the dick story. Always go with the dick story, Kiki. Always. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same. I'm going to actually meld those two things together because I feel like maybe this guy was all like, oh, poor pitiful me. This shit happens to me. But in reality, you find out he's a dick. You know what? That's a dick move. So, yeah, I could definitely see dickhead doing that. Exactly. All right. And the dick in question is one Adam Livingston. Probably has a small dick, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> While Galitzin is training to be a priest, something odd is going on in nearby Virginia, not far from where he's in training, right? Okay. The story goes that in the 1790s, this guy, Adam Livingston, a Lutheran, living on his estate in the Shenandoah Valley, he had his wife and his kids there, okay. he begins witnessing strange things around the house. The first thing is that cattle are dying without explanation. Now, supposedly, this is a problem that came with him. He lived in Pennsylvania first, and then he moved to Virginia because he was saying that, oh, I had problems with my cattle dying in Pennsylvania and now I'm in Virginia. So number one, maybe you just suck at taking care of cattle. Which is really weird because don't you just like let them out to eat? Like you just hear some grass dudes and they just munch on the grass. I feel like it's not that difficult to take care of cattle. Like, I mean, obviously it's expensive. Like, you gotta house them, medical crap, actually water them and give them proper food and blah, blah, blah. Obviously. <laughs> I feel like someone who has a degree in agriculture right now is like, it's a lot fucking harder. Fucking flipping <laughs> out. <it>. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just feel like... An animal husbandry. In, in 1790s, I feel like maybe it wasn't that difficult. In 1790s, your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents have been passing this shit down to the family. You know, maybe they weren't supposed to be cattle farmers, you know? Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, but then you can just go to, like, anyone on the street and be like, hey, how you raise cows? And they'll tell you because it's the 1790s, everyone knew. Okay, hold up. So let's keep in mind this guy's a dick. Oh, so you think they're telling him, he's probably going up to him and be like, hey, fucker, how you raise cows? Oh, oh, well, first off, you feed them only meat. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Grind up meat of their own kind. Cannibal cows, baby. Cannibal cows. <laughs> if that's not a band name, I'm pissed. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Mission Spooky brings you cannibal cows. We know enough musicians. Let's get on this. Come on, seriously, guys. I can sing. I can't, but I will. <laughs> You'll try. <laughs> and let's say the guy's an asshole and nobody wants to help him, maybe. Anyway, the other part of this is that he says the house is also haunted, that he's being awakened at night by the sound of galloping horses and wagons charging through the living room and furniture moving around and dishes being moved and broken, et cetera, et cetera, right? Very vaguely sounds almost like poltergeist with some of that stuff, right? But he claims that the worst part of this is what he calls the clipping. The family would hear the sound of scissors or shears cutting, and they'd wake up and their clothing 
would be cut into crescent shapes. That's fucked up. Why crescents? Like, mm. that's such a weird shape. Because maybe the ghost wasn't French, so it wasn't a croissant. How do I hang up? <laughs> <laughs> you can't hang up on Discord. You can just log out. Don't you dare, though. I don't feel like bringing you back in here. God damn it. Anyway, the townsfolk comes over. Other members are there and witness this stuff. Like, maybe... You know, they come over in the morning for coffee and the wife is like, what the fuck? Like all my clothes are cut up in the crescent shapes. People supposedly have seen the aftermath of this. And so the Livington estate becomes known as the Wizard's Clip or Clip Town. <laughs> Clip Town. I love that. It's so funny. This first story says that Livingston had tried everything to stop the hauntings. He finally begged local ministers for help. He asked all kinds of different people like Episcopalians. My favorite. He tried a local practitioner of Brockeri the German term for like basically uh, witchcraft, but it's the kind of witchcraft that's using the Christian God. We're going to get into Brockerai in a, uh, probably in October, that episode that we're going to be doing. That's It's really going to be cool. But anyway, I thought it was interesting that he was using the local, even in Virginia, you've got some PA Dutch down into Virginia. So there's Brockerai down there. He offered a local sorcerer. I love that word. Like a local sorcerer. Who is this guy? double payment if he could get the job done and get the place like unhaunted and you know hellish rebuke i don't know so galitzin winds up getting called into this eventually in this version livingston comes to this conclusion that christ can no longer have any true ministers on earth because no one can help him get rid of this haunting in his house right again keep in mind the other two stories kind of make him out to be an asshole he already sounds like one to wait wait so he's tried like five people <laughs> and just gave up just obviously no one believes in christ anymore because these five fuckheads can't help what the fuck statistically that's just not right oh the funny part is that in, like i said in this particular story he has a roman catholic peddler who shows up one night and uh, goes to stay over overnight at the house because the house is sort of an inn as well for travelers and that he barely makes it through the night before he's like this place is definitely messed up you need to call in some catholic priests to set things right now of course he's lutheran so the last thing he wants to do is is call in catholics <laughs> oh yeah yes lutherans and catholics notoriously don't get along usually don't so reverend dennis cahill at this point gets involved this story has it has a saying that that livingston had a dream about a man who's going to help him and that it was this guy. Like when he meets him, he's completely astonished that it's Cahill. Father okay. Cahill's very dismissive of the story. He's like, you're crazy. This can't be happening. It was Livingston's neighbors at the time who basically begged him to come to Wizard's Clip and solve this problem. So Cahill comes in. He does uh, some sprinkling of holy water. Do, 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 you know, does his thing. Supposedly, he witnessed like like this invisible hand almost like laying money that was lost on a mantle and that the house was pretty quiet after that but then the, the trouble starts all over again and now we've got father galitzin comes into it to conduct a full investigation and this is the reason that his crypt is visited quite often here in pa is that he's considered one of the first paranormal investigators because of the way that he wrote everything down unfortunately the book that he wrote everything down in is lost. But the cool part is that there are some letters 
that were being written back and forth between like another woman who was witnessing the stuff with him. Her letters are like the corroborating evidence of what Golitsyn did during the investigation. So we may not have his book anymore, but we have all these really great letters talking about everything that he did do. Wish we had the book. That would be really cool to read. I would love to read that. So he does this investigation. Again, I can't really get too much into it because we're missing a lot of the pieces. He does do one thing. He basically interrogates everyone who's involved, wants to know everything that's going on with them. And that's not unlike what you do now during a paranormal investigation. You know, when you take the family members and you're interviewing them and you're trying to get as much information out of them alone, separately, to see if all the same stories match up. So he's cross-examining people. And Galitzin doesn't want to do an exorcism for whatever reason. That much was certain. He's figuring that there's something else there. Something else needs to be done to just put the spirit to rest. And here's where I'm going to tell you guys the story that I believe is probably closer to the truth as far as Livingston. This is also interesting, too, because the other two stories talk about how Livingston was quote, dissatisfied with his residence in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. And he decides to move to Virginia. Now, if he's in Lancaster at this time period, this is probably also why he knows what a brokeri is, because this is, this is PA Dutch magic. So 1790, he moves to Virginia, but nothing out of the ordinary really happens until 1794. Both stories say that a middle-aged, respectable-looking stranger appeared at their door at the estate and asked if he could be a boarder in the house. Because again, I was saying like, this is a pretty big place. They're looking at possibly making this also an inn. And so they're looking to make a little bit more money off of this. They bring the guy into the house. Only a few days after he gets there, he becomes very, very sick. And he's really scared that he's going to die. As he gets more and more ill, he's like, listen, I'm Catholic. Can you please get me a Catholic priest? So I could have my last rites. I feel like I'm not going to make it. Livingston being a Lutheran. And according to Galitzin, this man was a bigoted Lutheran and was lazy and did not want to go find a priest for this guy. He claimed that he, quote, knew of no priest in that neighborhood. And if there was one, he should never pass the threshold of this door. So this dying man who, by the way, keep in mind, he's been paying him to be there. Keeps asking and begging him for spiritual aid, right? I need a Catholic priest. I want my last rites. Doesn't get it, and he dies. Without his name ever being known, by the way. So this guy's been there for a few days, and they didn't even bother to ask him his fucking name. The one story says that he basically just um, buried him in the backyard on unhallowed ground and didn't give a single shit. And all of this stuff didn't come out until after Gullitson was already there to investigate all of the terrible things that were going on at the estate. So as was sort of tradition to at this time, you would have people come and, and sit in with a corpse? No. No, I would not. I would not, because I don't like having people over. You know? <laughs> no, there's just so many questions. Like, hey, JC, why is there a corpse in your living room? It's special. It's a corpse. Right, it's a corpse thing. Oh my God, I, never mind. I was like, t-shirt. <laughs> so on the night that he dies, Livingston apparently employs a guy to sit with the corpse. Like I said, this was not unheard of. But right after the candles are lit, they start going off. The guy relights them several times. They still keep going out. Well, that's spooky. They even tried to bring candles in from another room. 
like Livingston was like, maybe it's just the candle. Like it could be a defective candle. Let me bring candles in from my room that I know damn well are lit and I'll blow them out. I'll bring them in here. We'll relight them. Same thing happened. They just got blown out. Oh. Apparently this guy then like leaves the house totally freaked out and is like, fuck it. I mean, honestly, having like lights or shit like that played with by the spirits, it's creepy. Yeah. Because mentally having that light is like what keeps you safe. At least like, you know, as long as I'm in the light, the ghost can't get me. And then the ghost is like, hold my beer. I'm going to fuck you up. People used to have to sit with a corpse and then they would play tricks on each other. (laughs) What? That's so evil. It's a really good one that we might have to we might have to talk about a few of them as because some of them did happen in PA and I was like, oh fuck. That's not good. Oh man. I'm in. Uh so anyways, this guy leaves. Livingston buries the guy, and sure enough, this is the very day that shit gets real. Fuck just burning the candles out. I'm gonna destroy your life. Well, that's unfortunate. You know, vengeful spirit really pissed off. Both of these other renditions go into how cookware, which would have been called crockery at that time, the stuff is getting smashed all over the house, the galloping of the horses, all of that, that's all the same, and the cutting of the crescent shape, all of that is the same, only these other two stories mentioned that it's a quote-unquote curious figures cut out, and it wasn't just in the clothing, but it was in blankets and boots and everything they owned like sheets everything that could be cut so three months of that three straight month, months months of that before they were just like done with it well sometimes it would be 24 hours straight everyone in the family would swear they were hearing the sound of shears clipping clip 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 that's crazy that's real spooky i'm gonna be honest yeah i know right i was like oh fucking hell it's at this point the three months afterward that you know galitzin would show up and really start interrogating everybody and you know that famous quote about him being a, being a bigoted Lutheran and that he basically said he would never have a Catholic priest come over his door. Well, man, kind of funny that this ghost, what happens to Catholic priests have to come into that. Like he's begging them to come into the house and do, you know, an investigation. There you go. Apparently it was solved. One of the stories mentions that, that basically that Galitzin asks the spirit to move on and that everything starts to settle down and eventually this guy livingston gives some of his massive amount of property that he owns he gives a portion of it to a catholic church in which they can have a cemetery and that the quote-unquote mysterious stranger he made sure that his burial was then inside there is a marker in that cemetery that says mysterious stranger it's real y'all as far as that goes it happened the guy died yada 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 but that's Wizard's Clip for you and Galitzin. So let me tell you, if you want to go visit, because you can, Loretto, PA is about an hour and a half east of Pittsburgh, two and a half hours northwest of Gettysburg. There's a lot of other cool stuff to do in that area as well. Robert Perry claimed to be the first person to reach the North Pole. He was born not far from there, too. So I think there's like a little thing you can go visit for that. And there's the Prince Galitzin Chapel House that has historic artifacts from that time. And that sits right next to Loretto Cemetery. The museum doesn't have like what's 
considered regular hours, it you kind of have to call ahead and see what's going on. And of course, with COVID, you know, I always have to mention it, but they might be closed on a more permanent basis. Uh, yeah, but his crypt is there. It's really cool looking. I was reading just a little bit about this. I think that he was buried originally in something very plain. And then they changed it. Like you can go down into it, the crypt where his body is. People often will leave like things behind, you know, like little letters and things like that. And then uh, there's this huge statue of him above. I always post in pictures, so I'll let you guys know what it looks like. It's it's really beautiful. And they say you can see the Appalachian sunrise over his crypt. So, which is actually nice because it turns out he was very much an outdoorsy person, even as a kid. He loved exploring. There you go, guys. Prince Galitzin. JC fell asleep. Pretty soon I'll just hear a snoring from the mic. This is what happens when you work for like 13 hours and then you listen to my voice. Before you know it, boom, out cold. Ask my husband. All right, guys. As I said, our featured music today is a brand new song from Foghorn Lonesome. And that's called Strawberry Moon. When we get back. Spooky Squad news and uh, shout outs probably without JC because I think that um, he fell asleep on the mic. She felt like dripping honey in my arms that night in June when our galaxies collided perfectly under the strawberry moon that colored the sky like an endless canvas in a million red hues. We had our own constellations, Corday and Runic, that twinkled just for us, and it felt like no force could ever part us. Two longing souls finding refuge in each other's embrace, and like magic, our hearts beat in sync, and all inner and interstellar frequencies had aligned as one in a low, omnipresent vibration. All right, welcome back, spooksters. If you want to join the squad, head on over to patreon.com slash missionspooky. We have tiers to one and five dollar levels. One single buck gets you a shout out on the cast and access to our boober reels. Our five dollar tier, we got some really cool shit that we're working on for as far as just redoing everything Patreon. Anyway, uh, you can send PA, New Jersey or Delaware based ghost stories to us at missionspookypodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us any questions or comments on any previous episodes. If you are a local band, PA, New Jersey, Delaware, or you just own your own music and you'd love to be featured on the podcast, just like Foghorn Lonesome from Stockholm, Sweden, please feel free to contact us through private message on Instagram or Twitter. You will get me or you can email us directly at that missionspookypodcast at gmail.com. You can find our musical guest songs on Spotify by typing in Mission Spooky 2020 in the search bar. We're going to continually be adding to that list as we go. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mission Spooky and on our Facebook page, which if JC was awake, he'd rule with an iron fist. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Podchaser. Just remember to be kind. Taking us out once again is Foghorn Lonesome with Strawberry Moon. And as always, guys, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. <sighs> well, if JC were awake, He'd probably tell you to uh, send some coffee. There was a smell of lavender in the cool summer air, and her gentle eyes sparkled with a rainbow wonder that drew me in so soothingly into a safe harbor I'd never felt before. I whisper things in her ear no one else will ever hear, 
surrendered everything, fear, scars laid bare, nothing held back, as we descended together into a warm abyss of deep affirmation. She had woken my heart from a long slumber, and now it was roaring with love like lava, all-consuming and unstoppable. Every kiss, every caress, every touch, breath, moment, and the spiritual intimacy we shared felt like cursive poetry, simply heavenly. But cold and cruel is the universe with its deceiving stardust and cosmic sway. Into the wild black yon.